Communication can be so frustrating. I mean, every single thing that we do requires communication, and there's no escaping it. It'd be nice if we could just tell people what to do and be done with it and not have to enter into communication. But there's a problem with that because that just makes it all about me, right? And that's not what God intended for us. He had something better in mind. And his plan requires us to use a tool that we're going to talk about today called communication. We're in a series called Tool Time. And for the past few weeks, we've been looking at tools that can help us in our family, life, and relationships. And to start out with, we looked at balance. Balance was the first tool. And we found out that the key there is setting our priorities based on God's will for us, not ours. Because when we do that, then our priorities are something that can be sustained and our pace can be sustained. Now, how do we figure out what his priorities are? One of the ways that we do that is by reading God's word. The other tool that we talked about was boundaries and that we have to set boundaries in order to have a healthy physical, spiritual, moral, and emotional life. And what you'll see this morning is those two tools, balance and boundaries, are essential for the correct operation of the tool we're going to talk about this morning, and that's communication. Communication should be a big hint to us that God did not intend for us to be alone or to just invite people into our lives when we need them. No, the Bible says he created us in his image and that it wasn't right for us to be alone, so he created others. And then he added the command, now love them. You see, for centuries, theologians have debated, okay, what does this thing being made in his image mean? And we can get wrapped up in all of the complexities there and fail to realize the one thing that's obvious and that they do agree upon, and that is there's an innate thing in us, in our personality, that allows us and makes us capable of relating to others. You see, we were meant to be in relationships. We're not meant to be alone. This is consistent with his image, isn't it? I mean, he created us, and then he desires to be in a relationship with us. Isn't that the message of the cross? So you can see his image right there. Humans are meant to be in relationships, not to be loners. We humans are social creatures. We're intended to be in relationships. But God goes a step further and he says, I want to order your relationships a little bit. I've got a priority that I'd like you to play out in those relationships. And one of the ways we can kind of get a hint into what he's thinking there is to look right at Jesus. If you go and look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus was focused on having fellowship with God the Father And he was maniacal about being obedient to God the Father. And then every time he was around others, he loved them. So right there, we see that we were created for a purpose. A purpose to communicate with God and to communicate with others. I've seen people use the acrostic joy to help them remember the order and the priority of their relationships. Jesus, others, and then you. And you see, the fact that we are third in that list doesn't make us any less special. No, because if we make 
Jesus our primary relationship and you're very focused on that, then what you'll find every time you go there is that you're of extreme value and worth to God. Now, for a few minutes, I'm supposed to be talking about communication, and I haven't said anything about that. And it's intentional, because without relationships, communication is useless, right? Relationships is the prerequisite for communication. Matter of fact, communication is the lifeblood of relationships, and it starts with our relationship with God. I was running the other day at Lake Lynn with my dog, Sandy, and She's scared of those big old beastly ducks that you see there at the lake, right? They're, they're multicolored. They got the little growths hanging off their nose. They got the size of their neck is the size of a football player's neck, all because they've probably eaten the entire truckload of Wonder Bread. But my dog is literally scared of those things. She'll just come on over and stick to me as I'm running. But we, we came upon a, a boardwalk, and she saw something she wasn't scared of. And that was a mother duck with her five little tennis ball-sized ducklings. And they were kind of a few paces back and spread out. Uh, When the mother heard the footprints of my dog Sandy, she turned around, and I remember that she emitted a noise, a high-pitched whine, that those little ducklings followed it right into her chest where they were safe. And that immediately, right then, I thought of that verse, John 10, 27, where it says... My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, that mother duck cared for those ducklings. They knew her voice and they followed her. Now certainly God knows danger in our lives and wants to steer us clear of that. But he also, and hear me on this, he also knows what will bring joy and satisfaction in our lives. And he wants to guide us there as well. Now, communication with God involves us talking to him on a daily basis through prayer, reading our Bible, coming to worship here on Sundays, meeting with other believers, and letting his spirit speak to us. Have you ever accepted God's invitation for a relationship with you? Or have you done that, but you're struggling in making that relationship your primary relationship that directs all others? Attending to relationships based on God's priority, it's transformational. You see, meaning and fulfillment in life comes when we are intentional about these relationships, first with God and then with others. When we don't do that and we try to isolate ourselves, what happens? We get lonely, we get angry, we question our worth, we have family problems, relationship problems. We've just got to trust God on this one and live our lives being flexible and reaching out to others. Now, remaining flexible in our relationships helps us to focus on communicating for connection, not competition. Before we say or do anything, we should ask ourselves this one question. We should say, is what we're about to say judgmental in any way? For instance... If you want to say, I think you're wrong for these three reasons. Or, you never help me. Or, you interject every time with useless information. Those are phrases that don't connect us. They separate us. They put walls between us. 
Instead, we could say something like, how can I make you more comfortable when we talk? Or, I appreciate your thoughtfulness. Here, it's not about victory or winning. It's about linking hearts and linking souls. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we have conflict in life. That's just the way it is. But the key to that and the essential thing is forming ties, ties that can withstand the tugging of conflict or differences. Communication is all about sending a message, sending it to somebody and having them receive it correctly. Well, that's a loaded definition. I mean, I can control my words, but I can't control how it's going to be received by others. We can communicate in many different forms, right? Just our presence can communicate something. My father's principal at a school loved music, and he would always go to the auditorium and listen or go out to the field to listen to the football show. And he got Lou Gehrig's disease and could no longer do that. So one day, my father packed up the kids. Instead of going out on the field to practice, he put them in the school bus, went to the bottom of the street of his friend's house, And he marched the kids up the street and did the field show right in front of his friend's house. Now, a message was being sent that day between the two of them. And it was a message that said, you mean something to me. It was a message that connected them. It didn't separate them. Now, there's so much more to words. And words are important. We're going to talk about them in a second. But from this one illustration, we can see that to communicate effectively, we must invest the time, right? Paul said it this way to the Christians in Rome, and it applies to us today. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Giving time to somebody tells them that you care about them, that they matter to you. Relationships require nurturing. And if we're not intentional about nurturing our relationships, they will wither. So take a check. Are you saying to those closest to you, is what you're doing screaming, you're important to me? Or is it saying, you should understand and just bear with me? Now, when we do communicate, we want to be very clear on our message about what we're trying to say. Have you ever tried to communicate a message that you're not sure of yourself? That can get real tricky. I mean, the people usually around you can sense that you're struggling with that thing. And so I like what's said in Psalm 119, verse 130. It's not talking about our words. It's talking about God's words and his power of his words. But I love the implication of his words and the questions we can use from it. It says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And here, unfolding literally means a doorway and a door opening. And it makes me think of my mouth opening. Is what I'm about to say, does it have a specific meaning? Is it going to get at something? Is it simple enough for others to understand? There's enough variables in the whole communication process that can lead us astray. It would be good if we know from the start exactly what we're trying to communicate. Now, even once we know our words and we know exactly what we're trying to communicate, we've got to pause for a second. And we've got to ask ourselves a connecting question. And that question is, 
Does my message show respect to others? Here's a tip. Avoid using you statements. Instead of saying you should or you always do this, turn it around. Say, I feel, I think. What that does is it forces us to take ownership of the message. It also gives the other person somebody to respond to. And furthermore, it helps us not talk about other people or talk for other people. Remember, everybody has value in God's eyes. So don't ridicule them. Don't interrupt them. Don't try to throw the guilt trip. Those are all things that don't bring us together. They just tear us apart. You'll never go wrong if you concentrate on showing respect to the other person that you're trying to communicate with. Respect can be shown through words or actions. Now, for some of you, I've shared this story before, but I met my wife at 18 years of age, and we both worked at a campground in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And I, I was working out on the campground. It was hot. I came into the store. My mom ran the camp store, and I was thirsty. I went to get a soda, and I saw a homemade blueberry pie sitting on the back cooler, and it was made out of freshly picked blueberries. I said, Mom, man, who brought that? She said, the owner's granddaughter brought that for our family. Now, what you've got to understand is we didn't say many words to each other up to this point. I thought that she liked me. I definitely liked her. But that blueberry pie spoke volumes to me. She was reaching out to me. It sounds weird, but it, I'll never forget the blueberry pie. I loved it. And we talk about it all the time. But it was the fact that to get to me, she encompassed and reached out to the whole family. Her actions that day, they did speak louder than words. What we do or don't do communicates something. Acting supportively is a choice, and it takes energy, but it is so worth it. Because when somebody feels loved and they sense that you care for them, then your communication will go to a deeper level, a level that brings that meaning and purpose to life. Now, in addition to being intentional and sensitive about our actions, we need to focus on listening and asking questions. It's so much easier just to tell somebody what to do. I think that's, that's a cop-out. That takes the least amount of energy and the least amount of words, least brain power, but more importantly, it robs both of you of a true relationship. Asking questions and listening to the other person shows them that you care. It's, again, putting the others before yourself. James gives us an excellent advice here. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Are you quick to interrupt somebody? Do you cut them off on their thoughts? When we do this, it tells them they don't matter and that we are more important than they are. The book of Proverbs is full of relational wisdom. Proverbs 25 says, The purpose of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. And to paraphrase, what that says is what goes on within us can get so complex that it's hard for us to understand and to get through some of it. What we need is somebody who is loving and devoted and has wisdom that can walk alongside of us ask questions, and listen and pull that 
out for us and help us take the next step. But we can only do that if we're willing to invest the time and ask questions. The next thing is we have to be trustworthy. You see, those closest to us share at the level they do because they feel safe with us. They've made a conscious decision to share at that level because they trust us. Now, the Bible says gossip betrays confidence. So what might be public to you may actually be private to me. So we want to err on the side of caution here. Now, what we need to do is preserve our relationships by being able to hold information to ourselves. I'm not saying that if somebody shares with you that they're going to harm themselves or they're struggling or somebody's harming them, that you ignore it and you just let that go. That would be the unloving thing to do. Those are the times when you have to have truth and love. Those are difficult times, and you do have to address those. So this morning, we looked at a whole bunch of different things, things that we may want to run out and try just because we want to experience change in our relationships. But I want to caution and challenge us all because communication is a two-way street. You can do all of these things that we talked about and still meet resistance from the other person, right? It happens at work, in our friendships, at schools, and we see it far too often in divorce situations. So ask yourself these questions. Am I all about communicating for connection, or are there people that I am communicating for competition? And what are you going to do about it? Take one of the things we learned today and practice it this week. Ask God, seek his guidance in helping you communicate more lovingly in a way that joins and not separates, that builds up and does not tear down. You may be on the other end where you got your relationships in the right order and you are communicating for connection and you're still hitting resistance on the other end. Then do like the psalmist says, ask God to search your heart. Because he says in Psalm 37, If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Ask God to give you the peace in the face of this resistance. He knows whether you've done all that you can do. He knows whether your relationship has been pure and right from the start. So let him uphold you as you continue to communicate for connection. God is all about communicating for connection. The Bible says he loved us first. Look at the cross and Jesus' death. That's him reaching out to us in love, saying, will you accept my invitation to relate with you?